Welcome to the Spirit-Led Podcast, your guide on a journey to full enlightenment in this beautiful life. I'm your host, Joan Hope Craig. Each episode, we explore spiritual wisdom, life's purpose, and the profound impact of daily choices on our personal growth and the world. Just for the record, just pronounce your name for me. Arianna. Your whole name. Arianna Ceroni Agostinelli. Ceroni. I didn't know it was a ch. Okay. Ceroni. You can only say Arianna Ceroni is fine. Arianna Ceroni is fine. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a couple minutes to get centered. Mm -hmm. Let's take a few deep breaths. Exhaling completely. Long, smooth, deep inhalations. And slow, relaxed exhalations. Let's honor our true nature as spiritual beings connected here in this human life. Let's honor the divine nature of everyone who listens to this recording and everyone in the world. And let's also honor all the teachers and teachings of all enlightenment traditions. And especially the Kriya Yoga Guru lineage, Mahavatar, Babaji, Lahiri, Mahashaya, Swami, Sri Yukteswar, Paramahamsa, Yogananda, Roy Eugene Davis and their successors. Om, peace, amen. Ariana, I am so happy to be together with you. And I just briefly want to tell the audience about how we met. And it was Thursday, July 20th of this year. It was the day I was being ordained as a minister. And you were there to share in that and honor your ordainment this year as well. And we had a beautiful meeting in the morning on the CSA grounds. You had arrived the night before from Italy. And then after the celebration of the day, we went shopping together and we're at the grocery store. And I remember watching you selecting your fruits and your vegetables and your pasta and your pasta sauce and your olive oil and even your soap that you were gonna use to wash your clothes because you were gonna be at the Center for Spiritual Awareness for three weeks. And before I met you, I thought, I was a pretty conscious consumer, but watching you in the grocery store, I thought to myself, this woman is very conscious. (laughs) You are making every selection so mindfully. And, And then when we connected for this interview, you said you wanted to talk about consciousness. So please tell us about 
how you see being conscious and how that shows up in your life. Well, first of all, thank you, Jen, for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here with you again. Um, the first thing that comes into my mind when I say consciousness is being present. And especially in that moment, you know, in our, in, in yoga, I can say that in yoga, there is much uh, imprecision about that because we tend to become spiritual. We try to gain something rather than just being who we are, our real self. And who we really are is consciousness. It's really the most important part. Why? Because you won't be, mm, you cannot follow all the time guidelines by, you know, culture guidelines or even your own guidelines. You have to be conscious of what you do, when you do it, why you do what you do. That's the most important part in my life. And consciousness is something that it's, it's moment to moment. It's not something that you just take in for 30 minutes and then it disappears. Being conscious is really try to be present and very involved in what you do. It, it requires energy. It requires a lot of energy. But I think it's the most important, not quality, but is the foundation of any practice especially in yoga yeah what you're saying really is resonating with me on a couple levels i heard you say that it's about being present in the moment it takes energy it's not easy which is ironic because we are spiritual beings but somehow the ego gets in the way and you also said something that made me sigh a little bit with relief you said we're we don't need to achieve or try to become spiritual I find I can get caught up in that of am I good am I doing enough am I meditating enough am I doing enough good practices instead of just being what is yoga what what am I doing because my, you know, when you, especially when you have people around you and you say, okay, I am sharing with you, can be teachings, can be insights, but you really have to ask yourself deeply and very, let, let's say, to put it bluntly, very open. Is, is it real what I'm saying? Am I conscious? Am I really conscious of what I'm saying? And the point is, when you just share information, information is, go is not going to, to last, not going to last at all. What really, what's really important is our state of consciousness and what we perceive, because our perception of reality is really what makes us be as we are, makes really our entire existence. So, being conscious is really, am I following a dogma? 
am I following something that others told me that is true? But is it is it really true for me? Am I really conscious of that? That's a very subtle difference, but I do think it's it's crucial in a life between passivity and being active because I do think spirituality is being very active, very reactive, very responsive to life, and especially be true, be yourself, not the self, the personality or what you may think, but your real, your consciousness. Now the question may be, what is consciousness? Well, in my experience, consciousness is being whole, it's being united, it's being a real perception of being one with all, without a sense of I. And so when you come back into real life, you have to, to take that experience in, in this world, in this reality. And so, again, the question is, how can I live truly? How can I live consciously without my minds, my, my thoughts, my concepts? It's like a, a sheet that comes in and you want to really break that sheet and see reality as it is. So what I'm hearing you say is that you've had, uh, you've had some experiences in meditation maybe where you felt that consciousness, you felt aware of of the wholeness that you referred to and then sometimes we get in our daily activities we're working interacting doing what we're doing <laughs> and there's a we could say a sheet or even a sheath right like the koshas in yoga are considered like sheaths right so there's some kind of shield that hides that truth from us when we're engaged in daily activities mm-hmm and what have you found works for you to take that to remember? How do you how do you remember during the day? The foundation of that is, in my experience, uh, practice of yoga that is vairagya, that is detachment, really. And detachment is when you make a step back. And you, it's not, I, I cannot call it a practice because it's really, you know, when you have the uh, photography machine and you just turn it to make the vision clear, that's to me, Vairagya. That is, I make a step back and I say, okay, now I see clearly, I am no longer completely involved in the images, in the reality mm-hmm. I am projected in. But I remember that there is this subtle presence constantly watching, constantly being present, and especially, it's free. It's free. <laughs> you, it feel, you mean you feel free, or what do you mean when you say it's free? It means that it's not, um, it doesn't follow, follow dogmas. It's free from... It's, it's liberated. This, this presence, this awareness is liberated from the the rules of life it's free in the sense that it's out of mind you perceive through the mind of course because otherwise it won't be functional in this reality but at the same time you have this awareness that 
sees beyond that, knows without knowing, or sees more subtle, beyond the mind. You know, in, in yoga, we said that buddhi, which is the discriminatory faculty, it's so subtle that even great saints or whatever we can call them, very aware people, confuse them with awareness. So that's the tricky game, you know, between consciousness and life, nature, however we want to call it, that this discriminatory faculty really perceives to be consciousness and consciousness thinks to be reality, material reality. So the point is, go beyond buddhi, go beyond the subtle form of buddhi and be your real self. That is really interesting. That is at least what I am practicing. You've given us a couple gems, so I just want to say them, uh, recap, a summary of what I heard you say that I'm going to take away. That, okay, we have our practices of meditation that help us feel this wholeness and consciousness. And then when we're out in the world, one strategy is to almost imagine we have the camera lens. <laughs> and when I find myself too much in the picture of life, I have to remember, oh, I'm actually watching life through the camera lens. Yeah. And that's my that's my consciousness observer back here. And then and then you talked about we can get confused on what true reality is because we get so connected to it. Yeah. That's thank you. That's the practice that I, I try to do the most. That's what makes me constantly remember what is the difference between me and my perceptions, me and my ideas of being a self with a capital S. Because even talking about self, it's not living in the self. It's very subtle. When you talk about self, if you're watching it, means you're not it. You have to go beyond. You have to make a, a step even back and be in that presence where you say, I don't watch myself. I am. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. And for maybe we might have listeners or viewers who aren't familiar with the two selves that we talk about in yoga. So we usually say lowercase s is the small self, the personality self, the, you know, the human, right? And then the capital S is the spirit self. Mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying. It's like, yeah, if I'm thinking about it and talking about it, I'm not just being <laughs> in it. Um, well, I'm so glad we started with that. Is there anything you want to say about consciousness? We can come back to that. Or would it be okay if we talked about making space and creating space in life? That was something that you mentioned is important to you? Well, the one is connected, I think, to the other <laughs> in the sense that um, creating space in our lives allows this consciousness to really express, really be in that. Most of the time, I, I, I find even myself in a lot of 
fullness in sense, too many thoughts, too many interior conversations. And that's really, you know, when a cup is full, you cannot put or pour something more inside it because it's already full. And that's the sense of creating space. When you're already full in your mind of ideas, of constant chattering, is there space for consciousness? There is not, I think, because the field is already occupied by something. So the sense is, why don't you empty the, the, the cup and create space within yourself? Consciousness is really space, not as we might imagine space as, as a concept, you know, space like air, ether. No, it's not, it's not that. It's, it's being undisturbed. It's awareness, it's presence, it's consciousness, which is not difficult to achieve. We might say spirituality can be hard or the spiritual path and or achieving something can be hard it is not it's your perception if that is hard then it's going to be hard if you think it's easy because it's you we're always talking about yourself the most direct thing you are it's you so don't don't think it's hard to know who you are when you're talking about creating space that also really resonates with me um some people that maybe listen to this know me in my mundane life. <laughs> it's like my schedule is so full. <laughs> my calendar is full. My and my mind is often full of ideas. And when you talked about emptying it out, it sounds really inviting. How do you do it? How do you empty the cup? At times you have to force yourself. In the sense that my schedule tends to be very similar to yours, John, in the sense that we're so utterly directed that we sometimes get so involved. And we, at times we have to just say, okay, whoa, let, let's, make, let's create some space. At other times... You can do whatever you want. You can just watch the sky and empty yourself. Each one of us has intelligence within itself and knows what, what in the moment is needed. If I am restless, then I need to create some force to, to stop. I need to be very intentional. No, okay, I need to stop. Otherwise, it's very natural. I remember when I went to India, there was this, uh, this Swami, and he told me something that is still with me, present. He said that being spiritual is being natural. So you don't have to force yourself. You're so natural when you're yourself. You're so natural when you live as a spiritual being, as a free spiritual being, it's much more difficult and it's much more hard, you know, to live with this personality because you have to construct the personality. It's like a coat that you put in. When you, 
when you see other people, you have this code. Okay, I'm Ariana. I am a yoga teacher. I have to be coherent with that code. But when I'm alone, I take that code off because I need to be, I need to find the space for my consciousness to express without concepts, without personality, without ideas, just be. Yes, we put on our yoga teacher coats. <laughs> and, all and, all and of us, all of us. We all put, yeah, or whatever kind of coat, right? And I love what you said about just looking at the sky. And I think um, there's a Hatha yoga teacher named Patricia Walden, who's someone I studied with a while ago. And I'll never forget, she said, uh, when life is going fast on the outside, go slow on the inside. And what you said kind of reminded me of that because sometimes life is full. Sometimes we do have a lot of commitments and that's just what we're doing right now. Mm. And we don't have to wait. Sometimes in my mind, I think, oh, I want to go to the Center for Spiritual Awareness for six months and go on retreat. I just said that to a friend the other day. And it's like, well, that's not possible right now. So how can I find moments to empty the cup maybe it's looking at the sky for 30 seconds and another friend of mine just just said something that she said she's going to have a no november which means she's not taking on any more commitments right now okay she has time to 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 empty the cup right yeah thank you you know i find something very practical Sometimes we do not need to stop to empty, empty the cup. Again, by being present, you empty the cup. Why? Because you're completely involved in what you do. It can be writing an email. If you're completely in, on that, I am doing that. And think about anything else. Then the sort of calmness. Okay, I stop. Can be very you know old-fashioned but do one thing at a time sometimes it's very useful yes because we tend to be up and down you know up and down up and down during the day our consciousness constantly shifts but if what if i'm present all the time what if i i drink in a conscious manner It's going to be completely different because I do that consciously. I, I am creating space, space within myself. I don't know if that makes sense. But it it's... makes perfect sense. Okay. And actually, I feel very present with you right now. That's good. <laughs> We're just doing one thing. <laughs> so the takeaway is, to sum up so far, we've talked about consciousness, the importance of being present, and that even when... We have many commitments in our lives, in the world. We can choose to be conscious and present and make space in that moment, mm -hmm. in this second. So, yay, thank you. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit more about you. And maybe would you share how you got into yoga and how you got into meditation and this, this lineage and this path? So, um it happened very naturally. I sat and I said, I really want to be happy. Really. I had everything in my life. I had good relationships, money. 
I can also say success because I had everything I wanted. But inside me, there was a sense of emptiness. I, I want to be really happy. And I started to discover very naturally meditation. I just sat. I remember staying in my room in, in um, Trieste, which is a city in, uh, in, in Italy. And I just sat silently. I wasn't accustomed to, to meditate. So, of course, it was 10 seconds of me watching my own projections of reality. But then I started to look for books. And the first book that I, I read on yoga was the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And I remember I was in, in Venice in my, in my house. And when I was reading Patanjali, I completely burst into tears <laughs> because what he said completely resonated with me. It was like nourishment. You, I never had something like this. In my perception, I had, in, in my background, I had philosophy, Occidental philosophy, Western philosophy, but I was not so, you know, into it. I always felt some distance. But when I read Patanjali, all my questions were answered. And I said, oh my God, what, what is that? <laughs> and so after a while, I discovered uh, Claudio. I met Claudio uh, in Mestre, Venice. He holds meditations because I wanted to discover more about that Indian philosophy. And he was a Kriya Yoga minister. So I started attending his meditations and step by step, it was very natural. Step by step, I, I was introduced into that world. Then I became a yoga teacher. Then I, I met Roy Jindavis in 2018. I asked for discipleship and he, he said, okay. Uh, I, I played that role for you. I remember his words. Then I became um, a meditation teacher for CSA. I met Ellen Grace O'Brien. I met. I went to many um, congresses, seminars on yoga, Kriya Yoga. And then I was um, ordained last year. Actually, this year in. In this tradition. Wow! And so, I, I'm just—I I think because we we dove into consciousness, and I didn't ask you kind of your background at the beginning of the interview. Um, just the fact that you even went from Italy to America to meet Roy Eugene Davis to me is a big step. It's not like you just got in the car and drove a few hours down the road. You you made a big trip. What was that like going to CSA for the first time and meeting, meeting Mr. Davis for the first time? It was, I was doing the right thing. I was in the right place in the right moment. You know, that, that feeling, it's beautiful. And so I had this perception of being there and I knew he was my, he was my teacher. I knew that. And when asking for discipleship, I wanted I wanted it to be very private, just me and him. So it was very interesting my first approach to 
Mr. Davis because I remember when he entered the meditation room, just like in India, when you met a Swami that is realized, there is this sudden silence, this silence. And I said, that's it. That, that's it. So it's really our experiences that profoundly change, uh, profoundly change you. And in this, in our culture, we feel that even though, you know, going from Italy to the U.S., it's a huge thing. It's wow. But I always remember that Buddhist monks years ago, 100, 200, 300 years ago, when they wanted to meet their master, they started to travel. And they, first of all, they didn't know if they, if they would find him. And second one, they didn't know if they would find him and they would be alive. So I think we need more fire in that, in that moment because we should do more. We should really do more. Taking a plane and going to America, it's a huge step, but we, we don't even know what is real effort. What is real effort? Is it okay if we go into the words of wisdom section of the podcast? Okay, so this is something I've been wanting to try, and uh, we'll call it the words of wisdom. And just in your own words, your your experience of these questions. So, um, what is your true nature? Well, in my experience, my true nature is wholeness. And emptiness at the same time is presence that is wholeness again. Very hard to describe it with, with words because words tends all the time to carry another meaning. But it's really being present, being being a consciousness of wholeness that is expansion that is extension we can say without boundaries and what is your purpose well in this lifetime is to share what is my consciousness is to share who I am and I think to share those teachings that are clear, that are valid, that can make make you do the step in consciousness. And in my in my path that is yoga. I chose the path of yoga and I follow yoga because you I don't know if listeners know but yoga is not only postures it's really not postures only it's much more subtle there is this entire philosophy beyond yoga which is a practical philosophy because yoga is the practical part of a philosophy that is called samkhya and so yoga really wants to make you realize that state of consciousness that rishis or great masters talk about and how do we do that 
is clearly defined. And that's so amazing because we know there, there is this tax that is um, the Yoga Sutra, the Yoga Sutra di Patanjali, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. He clearly defines, if you do that, these will be the results. If you do that, this will be the results. You breathe like that, your state of consciousness will be like that. If you think like that, your, your existence will be like that. So it's really a science. I'm very practical. I have to say, I also study, I love to study neuroscience, for instance. I, I am a very, I have a kind of scientific approach, even in yoga. I tend to be very discerning. Is that true? Is that really true? Do you really feel chakras or do you know what you're talking about? That's my, that's my approach. <laughs> and so Patanjali really defines what are these steps to create an existence of presence, of consciousness. Thank you. So your purpose is to awaken in consciousness following the steps of yoga and to help others do the same. You said that beautifully. And I'm glad that you explained what yoga is, right? Because people have a lot of different ideas about that. And then um, another question for you, what is your understanding of God? Uh, I can't revert the question to, or at least the, the answer to what God is not. Because I know that God is not a person. God is not a personality. God is not a, an entity out there judging and being angry. <laughs> it's not like that. In my, in my experience, God is reality as it is in the physical realm and beyond that. It's an unbounded field from which everything is manifested. And so when I see this hand, I know that a consciousness is perceiving through senses, so through something very material, this hand. But beyond this hand, there is layers, layers beyond, layers beyond, until to the layer of pure awareness where this hand is not real anymore. Why? Because it transcends it. So my understanding of what we can call God is complete transcendence and that from a point of creation, then everything extends to gross reality. So from the subtlest form, absoluteness, complete consciousness, pure consciousness, then he or she or whatever a concept is, this, this pure consciousness creates from the subtle to the most gross form, which is the material realm. So we are actually in a, in a reality beyond which there is nothing more material. We just have to go back to subtle forms. 
Someone said, and I don't know the source of this quote, someone said, silence is the language of God and everything else is a bad translation. <laughs> but I think you're doing a really good job of putting it to words, but I agree. It's, I mean, to, to, to even ask someone, what is God? That's a big, that's a big uh, question answer. So I'd love to talk about you a little bit more and maybe we'll move towards, towards wrapping up because we know we have a special treat at the end of this presentation. Um, would you share about like your routines? Could be your morning routine or your, any routines that help you feel grounded, help you feel present, help you feel established in that consciousness that we've talked about so much today. Like be practical with us and tell us like, what do you do in your regular life that might inspire us? So the first thing that I do in the morning is really remind myself, what am I? Not even who am I, but what am I? And I, I am grateful. I try to be very grateful that I, I could woke up. That is not for granted, not for granted at all. So I remind myself I am consciousness expressing through this body. So another game <laughs> goes on today. The game of existence, the play of existence. And I usually wake up quite early in the morning and I start my routine that is either uh, Kriya Pranayama or other Pranayama, like Kapalabhati or Nadishodana. But what I found is most beneficial is when you sit to be there already, to try to be in a super conscious state already. That is, you sit as your real self. <laughs> you sit as, I'm not the mind, I'm not the body, I'm not the concepts, I'm not the concept of time, the concept of space the concept of my age, my personality. I'm not a concept of my agenda. I just let all the concepts drop and be in that state, which is above, beyond all, all the stuff, all the emotions, all the thoughts. That's the practice that I do, actually. Then at night, uh, <laughs> I usually do a practice um, that allows me to fall asleep consciously. And in those days, what I do is I practice a um, death meditation. <laughs> death meditation is, uh, is a step when you when you meditate and you imagine yourself that you are into the process of dying, you're really into the process of living the body. And so you feel the body to be very weak. You feel the body losing all its elements, water, fire, uh, earth, and all other elements. And you you know that you are making a step into pure consciousness and 
what I found beautiful about that is that you really are conscious of how how I lived, how I lived those those years in, in this earth. And usually when I do that, not only I am able to experience a state of expansion of consciousness, but I tend to be much more present on the activities that I do. I tend to establish more consciously my relationships, my activities. So I found that very useful. But again, the foundation practice is Kriya. So falling asleep, doing Kriya or practicing Kriya and then letting yourself merge into meditation. And then when the body needs to rest, you gently allow the body to rest. I think it's crucial. I think it's crucial. I found that it's it's a reminder, you know. Uh, <laughs> the there is a practice in uh, I think of of Buddhism or either Vajrayana or Mahayana. The the monks what what they do at, at night they turn their cup down, and in the morning they turn the cup up. So it's like a reminder: time is passing, and I am alive, and how am I living? It's really a reminder that one day you're going to pass. One day this physical dimension won't be able to support your consciousness. And how is going to be the transition depends on the state of consciousness you are in in that moment. So personally, I don't want to live um, this body in a state of unconsciousness. So the more I am conscious during the day, the more I will be conscious, especially when I depart the body. It makes perfect sense. And I'm actually seeing the upside down cup, right? And so we talked about the cup earlier and emptying the cup. I love it how it came together at the end of our talk too. We empty the cup every night and then, and then allow it to fill up during the day. Mm, thank you so much for sharing that. That's something I've I've not ever heard anyone talk about in that way before. Um, Ariana, we have had so much beautiful time together and I, I would like to be in your presence more. And, and I know that we are connected um, spiritually, even when we're not connected um, uh, talking like this. So, but are there any other things you wanna share with the audience on anything, any topic? The thing that I can say, it's something very personal and that is be free. <laughs> be free from your own concept. Be conscious of what abides you. Think, do not be thought. Be free from all, all the ideas that you may have and live as you are meant to live. Live as a conscious being without judging, without dogmas. Experience and be free. <laughs> I think that we have a very special treat planned for the end of this podcast episode, which is that um, 
I heard Ariana do some singing a month or two ago that was very inspiring and beautiful. And I asked her to, uh, if we could close the podcast with a song. So I believe we're going to get that recording uh, attached at the end. So anything you want to say about um, music in your life and the song now before we hear it? Well, I would say just that music, uh, I will talk about Indian music because that's my experience of uh, music right now. Um, It's very real to me because when you sing and you sing Indian music, you have to get rid of yourself. (laughs) Really have to get rid of yourself in the sense that the music that you sing, you just let it be. You don't play it, you let it be. And the more you let the music be, the more it's beautiful. And to me, those chants, those, this, this kind of chanting, it's, it's very deep in the sense that it's authentic. It's about letting go rather than taking in. You just let go. You sing from another point of view, from another level of consciousness. So the song that I I decided to sing is really uh, a chant from the Upanishads. And it's called, it's really, Asatoma Sadgamaya, Tamasoma Jyotir Gamaya, Mrityorma Mritam Gamaya. And the sense is, lead me from the unreal to the, to the real. Lead me from unconsciousness to reality, to consciousness. And lead me from um, we can say death, <laughs> but to us, death could be a life lived completely without awareness to immortality that is a life of presence a life of consciousness. Wow. Well, I can't wait to hear it. And I'm sure the audience will enjoy it. And I just want to say thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your consciousness, your energy, your time, your insights with us. And um, I personally am honored and very happy to know you here as a a sister disciple of Kriya Yoga. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. And to all listeners, thank you very much.
Thank you for tuning in to the Spirit-Led Podcast. Special thanks to our producer, Monty Craig. Please subscribe to catch upcoming episodes. For support in your awakening journey, visit our sponsor, the Center for Spiritual Awareness at csa-davis.org. We offer online group meditations, classes, and in-person retreats at our headquarters in Lakemont, Georgia. Once again, That's csa-davis.org. Until next time, remember your pure essence of being and eternal relationship with the infinite.